everyone, and welcome to another episode of Looking for Love and All the Wrong Dust Jackets, a show where three friends from college talk to you about our favorites in romance, whether that's books, movies, TV shows, whenever we're feeling. My name's Liz. I'm Danny. I'm Wiggles. And welcome to the episode. Today, we're going to take you back in time. We're going to go back. Uh, to the 90s, to when the dial-up noises were everything. That, at the beginning, <laughs> hurt my soul so much. I know. You saw mail. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk to you about the classic rom-com, You've Got Mail. Uh, but before we do that, I have to warn you that we are crass, we're unhinged, we're going to swear, we're going to talk about anything and everything you could imagine in romance. Not so much with this movie because all they do is kiss, but for future reference. Yeah. But hey, what have you guys been up to? What have you been like reading, watching, doing? Uh, okay. So I have continued progress on several books, none of which are done. Liz, what you got? I read Pucking Ever After by Emily Rath, which is the sequel novella epilogue novella to pucking around which is the uh why choose hockey romance um it is a novella that the pucking ever after with it's like 160 pages 150 i think uh and it's really good i think i read it at a four let me check my good reads i sure did hmm. didn't didn't you didn't you just go to a hockey game and then text us and say that you'd you've yeah. been reading way too many hockey romance? And then I books downloaded this novella after said hockey game <laughs> and read it. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, Liz. Okay. Uh, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, it allowed us as the audience to see this family because it's as a why choose. There's one woman and three men, and they are a family unit. Unit, and you get to see. Each chapter is like an important point in their life over the next three years. Um, so you could see the family grow. You get to see the guys kind of like form relationships with each other, sometimes romantic, sometimes not. So it was just it was really nice. I wish more books would do that. Just like here. This is this is what happy ever after looks like for these people. Hmm, gross. <laughs> and then I read Hoarded by the Dragon by Lillian Lark. Uh, which is the, I believe, fourth in the Monster Bathhouse series. That's her newest too, right? Yep. Yeah. It just came out the beginning of November. I feel like I awoken something in you. Well, I've read, I have I read Monster Romances before. Well, yes, I know, but specifically Deceived by the Gargoyles. You've read like every Lillian Lark since then. Yeah, because I know what to expect. It's true. And she's good. Yeah, it is. I So... I had one gripe with it, and that's why I couldn't rate it a four. I rated it a 3.75, which I don't, try not to do the quarter ratings because it's too messy. But there are some books that I just like, they're so close to the next star, but they can't quite get there. And for me, my issue here is, is I still don't understand how the magic system works or the political system works, and it actually mattered to this plot, and I'm confused about the ending. Fair enough. But it is character driven. So if you don't give a shit about that and you just want a accidental pregnancy, kind of faded mates, forks proximity situation, do it. The characters are really good. The relationships are interesting. And if you want to know more, I just created a blog on her website. And this is my first blog post. So you can go get all the details at wrongdustjackets.com. Yay! Yay! And I'll be posting more blog posts about previous books, uh, like my top hits 
for the year. Danny and I will also be contributing. I'm yes. putting it on here so that we don't not do it. <laughs> we are. It's on the air, Danny. We are committed. Who's editing? I don't know. I think it's Wiggles. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we will be contributing to it. I need to read more romance. I've been really bad about it. I've been reading pretty much what this what we have for this podcast and then like nothing else but i would like to throw out there i don't think our blog posts have to be just romance if you read or listen to something else go for it good because i did not listen to any romance or even really watch any this week however i was in a mood and apparently my mood led me to and i'm going to preface this by saying hate the author love the books i have been re-listening to harry potter so and and in weirdly enough like in the last three days what book are you on after three days so i and for whatever reason i decided i was going to start with my favorite one and damn anybody else who thought anything so i listened to the entirety of prisoner of azkaban and i am in the middle of goblet of fire how did i get that far in three days there's probably like a whole generation of people for whom their knowledge of helena ballroom counter is harry potter yeah yeah that's insane to me (laughs) Because she's amazing. Uh, when I think about things like that, I'm like, wow, what is life? It's probably the same amount of people who think of Tom Hanks as Captain Phillips and not as a boy in this movie, which we're going to talk about now. Yes, I did. It was a good transition. <laughs> oh, Tom. I do love me some Tom Hanks. The thing with Tom Hanks that's confusing is that he is very normal looking. Like, not normal in, like, oh, you're just a generic human kind of way. But, like, also, like, you are just a generic human. Yeah. How did you get this famous? And how did you get in this many movies? I don't know. I got to be honest. As we were watching You've Got Mail, I just kept looking at him like, are you attractive? It's it's hard to tell, right? Yeah, it is. I think for me, the answer is no. But I could see how in the 90s the answer was yes. I think he's attractive for 40, and I think he's looked 40 his entire life. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. I will say, so I think part of the reason that Tom Hanks has become or did become so famous is he is extremely expressive. Mm, Yes. And so a lot of his his acting skills is the the ability that he has to take his voice weird places. and, And he's just, he's got an extremely expressive face. He is Woody in Toy Story. And, you know, he doesn't need to be seen to be extremely expressive in all of those movies and everything so i think that's a lot of why he is as famous as he is because he can do those things there were a couple times in my notes where i literally wrote tom's giving good face in this part (laughs) (laughs) i like the context you will find out as we get into this episode but before we do i want to give us a little like one big fun fact i'm not going to give you all the fun facts because we'd be here all day but i'm going to give you one big okay so in the beginning of the movie, somewhere in the like opening credits, it says something along the lines that it's based on Shop Around the Corner, which is true, but also not true. Because it's also like the Shop Around the Corner is based off of the Hungarian play Parfumery. And so that led to the Shop Around the Corner, which starred James Stewart. Um, and then a few years later, like literally nine years later, um, in 1949... We have the Judy Garland version with In the Good Old Summertime. Where they came up with that title, I don't know. But uh, it's also like very characterized as a Christmas movie. Confusing. I did enjoy it, though, but it was confusing. Um, 
then uh, in the 60s, a musical was written, She Loves Me, which also recently had a revival in 2016 that won all kinds of Tony Hills fancy. But if you want to watch the like 2016 version, the reason to look at it is the beautiful set, which also Tony um, deservedly so. And then in 1998, we have Nora Ephron's version uh, in Got Mail. There have been some other like ones here that I'm seeing, but I uh, those aren't popular enough that I think would recognize them anyway. So anyway, the point is this story has been told and retold and then retold uh, like 500 different ways, 500 different times. And it's cute and it's good. And I have to be honest, I recognized none of what you just said. That's Not because you didn't watch single classic movies as a kid. Reference did yet did I get. <laughs> Here's the thing though, hun. I did watch Turner classic movies as a kid and I, nothing. I watched that channel way too much for my age. <laughs> I've seen probably half of James Stewart's. Anyway, so um, so that's the history of this, this movie. So leading up to it, um, I guess this is the one other side fun fact I'm going to give you. In almost every iteration that exists in the English spoken, there is a particular line where she finally snaps back at this uh, main character mm-hmm. in, in each iteration. They're not always called the same, right? And she says something to the the effect of where your head should be, we insert problem, where your heart is, this. And so in our movie, it is instead of a brain, a cash register, instead of a heart, a bottom line. And in every version, all the way back to Jimmy Stewart, there is a, that line. Sure. So a little homage to the history of you that we're... And so, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about what this movie is actually about now that you have that history. Basically, in the 90s, in 1998, to be specific, <laughs> we saw the rise of the internet. And this modern retelling of The Shop Around the Corner is the idea of what how letter writing relationship look like in the modern age. They were very obsessed in the 90s with computers, as you will see if you watch this movie. (laughs) The dynamic is that these two have found each other in some over 30 chat room and are now chatting with each other and basically emotionally cheating on their significant others. But at the time, that was sort of like seen as this like weird gray area. I don't think anybody had truly defined it that way. But Anyway, so the two of them are having a conversation and it happens that our main character runs this quaint little children's bookstore and our Joe Fox comes in as the owner of Fox Books. And Fox Books is basically the equivalent of Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. Not to call you out Barnes and Noble, but the movie already did. So, anywho... And if we were to retell this story, it would be the fight between Barnes and Noble and fucking Amazon. But in this story, they unknowingly are communicating with each other, thinking that they're a total stranger while also arguing with each other in real life. And so you have a complicated miscommunication, enemies to lovers, letter writing romance in the modern age. And it's Nora Ephron style. And she just has great style. So that is the premise of our movie. And we'll talk about it more as we get into it. So initial thought. It was fine. Oh, no, it was fine. I okay. So and it I mean, I didn't hate it, but I quite literally have avoided watching this movie my entire fucking life. So you're biased. A little bit. <laughs> My bestie has tried to get literally bribed me to watch the movie with her. And all it took was one wiggles. <laughs> I know. I, I haven't told her yet. I can Hi, tell Ange. her. I'll break it. I'll tell her right now. No. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> she listens. She'll figure it out. Anyway. 
She'll see the episode go up and go, the fuck? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that bitch watched it without me? Sup, Jello? Um, now she's going to make you watch it again. It was fine. It was fine. I, mean, I thought it was cute. It was cute. I had some nostalgia. Oh, yeah. This is a movie... I was shocked at how nostalgic I was watching it. I was like, that opening sequence. <laughs> so there's an opening sequence and, you know, it's all about the computers and, and mail and everything. And like, it's starting to play the the noises. And I'm like, I can feel the frustration of waiting for that through this. Oh, mm-hmm. the dial up noise is such a painful oh, yeah. fucking noise. I know I could probably look this up and find out. We live in a modern age where we have the world on our phone. Yeah. But what was the point of that noise? I don't know. To torture people? Like, yes, you can have the amazing thing that is the internet. But first, we will fucking torture you. Well, and my thing is, okay, so they actually made it much quieter yes. in, in this movie than it was. Because that thing was like, oh, it's going to be obnoxious and it's going to be dialed up to fucking 11. It was mm-hmm. so fucking loud. Um, and that is not the way they had it in the movie. Thank you, movie well, makers. Was, here's the thing. If you were under the age of like, I don't know, 20, well, don't want, maybe if you're under 18, don't listen to this. <laughs> don't listen to this podcast. It's not for you. But it, it, like, if you're under a certain age and you like watch this movie and you're thinking like, why didn't they just turn the volume down? You can't turn the volume down on the internet dialing up. It doesn't no. work. It just is. It just shrieked at you. There was it was not coming through the speakers. It was the internet. And as someone who was kind of obsessed with AOL when it like when that first was a thing, AOL was the jam. That was where you wanted to be on chat rooms and all of that shit. I never one whole time AOL'd. I never chat roomed. I never did any of that. I didn't have anybody to AOL. Exactly. I was I was no. I did and I I greatly enjoyed AOL. It was the bomb.com and but and you know you loved that you've got mail. Yeah. Did I get a lot of emails? No, because it was the fucking 90s and I was, you know, not super old. I think they did a really good job in the movie of showing how Pavlovian that was. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you've got mail. Yes. It's like the equivalent of like in in terms of talking about stages, it was like getting a Facebook like and then it was or a poke before the like. Right. Oh God, the pokes. The pokes. I forgot about the pokes. Yeah. And then it was. Now it's like getting a notification. Only now we're all like dreading notifications. Like fuck, what? But at the time, it was very exciting. Mm-hmm. It was very exciting. You're like, oh my God, I'm connected. So excited. I will say while we're talking about the movies, the writing of the emails was very beautiful. The prose yes. mm-hmm. was extremely well done. Mm-hmm. They were well written. They were lovely conversations. Yes. And. So here's the thing about Nora Ephron's movies is if you're going into them wanting some raunchy rom-com, it is not it. Hers are gentle. Yeah. And that's part of why I wanted to do this movie as like just a palate cleanser. <laughs> because I mean, fair enough. Yeah. It's it's sweet. Like I one thing that stood out to me, jumping ahead quite a bit, is when Meg Ryan's uh, uh Kathleen Kathleen, that's her character name, um, breaks up with her boyfriend, Frank, is how sweet that breakup was. That's not reality. That never no, happened. No. But it was so cute. And it was it was a nice just them being like, wait a minute. We don't want to be together. Right. Do we just want to be friends? Yeah, let's just be friends. Like there was no screaming. There was no, I hate you. You yeah. broke my life. It's just actually this doesn't it's make just, sense. You know what? This, we just, we're not good for each other. No. no. And, and that's kind of the, the nature of her moves. It's never boom. This is happening. Very soft. I will say though, so immediately this caught me immediately. And I was like, hmm, 
is when the movie started and they both had partners and I'm like don't love that yeah because I knew already that they had already been having these conversations like I don't know I didn't know a lot about the movie because I just refused to watch it for a really long time but I knew that that they had already been in these relationship relation to quote unquote relationship talking and I'm like I don't love that yeah it was confusing in the beginning to be like wait a minute you're with other people and then having the pretty pros of the emails back and forth and then being so excited I was like this is emotional <laughs> well and they know it too because like he walked out the it. door and she immediately opened the mm-hmm. peephole to watch him walk away from the apartment and then went to the computer and I'm like see and that would that's what makes it dirty right the like fact they that knew you it was check. wrong yeah. but they did not have like the language that we have now to describe why it was wrong well at first I thought Kathleen it was like that with Frank her boyfriend because he was he's very anti-technology mm-hmm. and so she's like I don't want to see him I don't want him to see me you know getting excited about being on these new fancy chat rooms uh but then when Joe did the same thing uh with his girlfriend Patricia mm-hmm. I was like this is wrong I this is wrong I feel less bad for Patricia she's kind of a bitch I feel like she gets a little maligned in this movie because I don't like I think she's just one of those people that is very direct and is going to push for whatever she wants because she's learned that that's how she gets what she wants. And she I, is very it's very vilified in this movie. Yeah. But like also Tom Hanks could just speak his fucking mind. Yeah. What's his name again in this? Who? Tom, Tom Hanks? Hanks? Joe yeah. Fox? Joe Fox. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I thought Patricia was truly bad is the elevator scene. Yeah. And like, was she really that bad? She just interrupted him when they're all going around doing like, if I get out of here. And she's like, I know I'm getting out of here. No, it wasn't that that bothered me. It was the way she was like screaming on the phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the screaming on the phone. And then also like leading up to the elevator scene where she's constantly like she already knows he kind of feels bad about shop around the corner closing down. She knows it. She is pushing that fucking bear constantly about it. I don't think she knows that he feels bad, to be honest. No. I don't think she knows that at all. I think she's just, like, doing playful jabs at a guy who's closed many shops. Like, that he has caused a lot of, like, mom and pop shops to close. Because they've talked about it, like, in one of the opening scenes in the offices. So she's just like, this is just us shooting the shit. Well, so going back to when Kathleen and Frank break up, when they're going through that breakup, one of the things that they say to each other is that we're perfect for each other. It's insane. Like, basically, it's insane that we don't work. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's the same thing with Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks. That's the same thing with Joe Fox and Patricia is that basically they should work. They just they should work. Yeah. He like. And he would have been attracted to her initially because she's literally living out what he's describing as take, like, go to the mattresses, right? Mm -hmm. That whole, like, godfather shtick thing is, like, that she is the living embodiment of that. She does not think that the things she's doing are personal. But it is. And that shop was fucking cute. It was cute. But... You know, one of the things that this has gotten a lot of critique for over time is like, how do you fall in love with the guy who destroyed your business? I'm like, yeah, but like the more the uh, when I watched it this time, I was like, the numbers are showing that you weren't going to make it no matter what. You were living on a hope and a prayer. Like you're charging seventy three dollars for like four or five children's books in I the nineties. I was do- I did the math of that and I was like, that that's today prices in the nineties, right? Yeah, and. <laughs> and then at one point 
Birdie, Birdie. she goes, we are down $1,200 from last this from this time a year ago. $1,200 is all it takes for you to be in a bad place? Yeah. Your business was already not doing well. Yeah. And blaming it on the Fox books coming in, it, I think, is a little bit of a convenient excuse. A little bit. Well, and not to, like, completely let let Fox books off the hook, but it's not like they chose that spot specifically to be malicious towards a little shop. No, they, they were malicious after they chose the spot. Well, yes. <laughs> were they, though? Because they didn't do anything to her. They just existed. The, the cruel thing that joe fox does and it kind of gets played down a little bit from what i remembered from the last time i watched it but they create a children's section to compete intentional like there's a there's a throwaway line where he's talking to his friend uh, or where his his dad and his grandpa are talking to him and they're like how's the children's section coming along and he's like well you know we just got underway so that was not i, part I didn't of their take original that plan. as him being i didn't take that as him being malicious i took that as how are like because they had just opened the store and everything and they were asking about that specific section you know how are we doing in the children's section he said it's early school's not out yet mm-hmm. and yeah. so that i just kind of took that as well we haven't sold a lot of children's books today yet because school's still in session yeah i didn't i didn't take that as like a, we're specifically doing a children's section to take this other area down it was just more of the business question of like the only competition in the area is children's books so that's probably the section i would ask about yeah Mm -hmm. i didn't really see it as them being malicious about it it's just them asking a opening day question about you know we've done all these things how's the children's section doing but the grandpa and and especially his dad specifically are like we're gonna take her down yeah yeah they they seem to be enjoying taking down people in general well i think they've been doing it for decades yeah but to go back to your comment about like her bookstore just wasn't doing well, one of the questions I had was, why does her bookstore need so many employees? Also, yeah, like the the one, I, one of the two younger ones, I can't remember which one, so, ha, makes a comment that this is a part-time job for them yeah, and that they'll never be able to find another part-time job that works in their schedule. And I was like, but how are you always here if yeah, this is, is a part-time kind of, job? And I was... <laughs> When she said that, I was like, in New York? In New York, you cannot find another part-time job that's going to work with your schedule. Right. Well, and my other thing about that is she goes, how am I going to find another part-time job that works with my re- with my schedule? How am I going to make rent? And I'm like, you're making rent in New York with a part-time job? I, you know, the 90s. The 90s. The 90s. I, yeah. The <laughs> so 90s were a feral time, that's for sure. There is a comment about that, though. She talks about how... She hates living with roommates or something. And then George Mm -hmm. goes, yeah, well, I got six rooms and it's rent controlled. Booyah. Or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) And then he said something about $400 a month. And I'm like, I don't pay that in the Midwest. I don't pay less than almost 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. I don't need to be reminded that the 90s were that long ago. It's yesterday. (laughs) I was born in the 80s and that was still 20 years ago. Don't you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not nearly 40. Unfortunately. That is not true. But one thing I want to talk about, and I'm looking up the actress, Heather Burns. That's what it is. Where did she go? She used to be a side character in like every everything. Everything, yeah. And Miss Congeniality, Miss, man. That Miss Congeniality, you know, she's like, she's got the whole, all you need like jacket. That's her, right? Yes. Yep. So where, where did she go? She was funny as shit. People cast her now. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> she's also got a lovely voice. Like it's she's just got that sweet speaking voice that always makes me smile. Yes. The second she started speaking, it I went hadn't even like actually looked who she was. 
the second she started speaking, I'm like tuned in, right? You were like Miss oh. America? Yeah. Is it she's Miss, Miss United States? Miss United States. She's elegant Excuse and me. grace. Yeah. She was Rhode Island. Yes. <laughs> um, she's also in the movie Two Weeks Notice as a best friend. Yes, she she's is. She's in several others, but those are the ones that pop out immediately. And it's like, God damn, Heather Burns, where you been? <laughs> I'd love her in two weeks' notice. Yes. There's a couple thought processes. Either A, she got really sick of trying to chase down the Hollywood lifestyle. Sure. Fair enough. Or B, she just kind of fell out of popularity for some reason or another. Yeah. To which I say, boo, film industry, boo. I, I agree with the boo. Agreed. Also, the the guy who plays George... Uh, Steven Zahn. That? Or Zan. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Like, he's been in a lot of things, and that's Mm -hmm. awesome. But, like, I forgot he was hot. Like, (laughs) he's really cute in this movie, and they've been playing him as the dopey weirdo for so long that I was like, oh, God. Oh, damn. Uh, oh you got the vapors list your floppy hair you know how i love a floppy hair he was still the dopey weirdo in this though he wasn't that weird though he he was cute he was going on dates he had a nice jacket dopey and weird was different in the 90s yeah true i'm just saying he had to get eucalyptus candles you could have played him as as hot more often that's all i'm saying Man was going to make clam sauce for his lady. And I was like, why? I was, no. Yes, I was also like, that's a bad choice. But no, yeah, why? No, it's the it's, effort it's is a bad choice, noted. but the effort's sexy. Yes, 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 yes. I also like that after the store closes, he ends up working for Fox Books. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm trying to remember the exact thing that Joe says, but it's something along the lines like, apparently, no one's allowed to work in his department unless they have a PhD in children's literature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and they never explain what his department is. Like, what does George do now? I what mean, does he I do? think he runs the children's department there. Like, I think that's his whole shtick. And not just at that store. I think he, like, kind of runs oh, yeah, all of the children's George. departments. That was my interpretation as well, is that he doesn't just work at the new Fox Books. Like, he works for the enterprise that is Fox Books. Yeah. He also has, like, great little moments throughout the entirety of the movie. Like, he kind of disappears into the background, and then he'll come yeah. back out and be like, guess what? I'm here. And we're like, yes, I'm so glad that you arrived. <laughs> That's all of the kind of secondary side mm-hmm. characters, which there are a lot. Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the accountant. She makes me smile. Birdie. Who apparently is, like, was in love with a freaking fascist dictator. I know. It's just like <laughs> that whole that whole moment, and it's just... So funny to me that that is what kind of breaks up uh, Kathleen and Frank. Right. Uh, I I thought that was hilarious. I had completely forgotten that. And I had a few moments where I was watching the movie where I was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot that happens. Like, for example, the like creepy stepmom. Oh, yeah. Situation. Oh, yeah. I forgot that happened at all. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ma'am. Ma'am. When his aunt is singing, his aunt is 10 yeah (laughs) something like that yeah yes his aunt is singing they're you know being supportive and then yeah creepy stepmom hand over on his thigh i was like oh god i am so uncomfortable right joe's potential stepmom yeah i guess she doesn't ever get the status of no because she runs away with the nanny she runs away with the nanny there's a lot of little throwaway moments (laughs) you're just like oh what and it's funny to me that i forgot major plot point well not even not major plot points but like decently sized plot points from the movie but you know what has stuck with me all these years the clarinet the clarinet goes doodly 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 that my whole life that gets into my head and haunts forever (laughs) it's just a throwaway christmas party thing it doesn't matter it's in there 
perpetually. Yeah, the whole scene means nothing other no. than it's, it's now Christmas. Christmas. Yep, and that's 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 what was my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be his apartment, didn't it? That they lived in. What What do you mean? So. Him and Patricia lived in an apartment together, correct? Joe and Patricia, right? Joe and Patricia? Yeah. Yeah. That had to be his, didn't it? I don't know. I don't think that she's like, so her name is Patricia Eden of Eden Books. Yeah. So um, either she or her family or both own an entire book publishing company. Yes, because she wanted to hire Kathleen because apparently people swear by her as far as how children's books are going to go. Yeah, yeah, she just knows them so well that like if she says it's going. Yeah, yeah. There's I- a there's a lot of just there's so much in this movie that if you don't catch it, they don't come back and explain. No, you, you like, either catch you that one little up. line or <laughs> <laughs> it just shocked me because like he he moved out and moved into his boat when they broke up, and it was like, is it? Not his apartment, but I suppose. I mean, she also comes from wealth and everything. It could be hers. I didn't realize, I guess. I mean, I knew she was a publisher. I knew she was, quote, unquote, important. But I don't think I understood quite how much. That's because you have to catch the one throwaway line of, hello, Patricia Eden from Eden Books. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't catch that, you don't know. And the thing about the apartment, regardless of who owns it, these two people are very rich. So why is it so basic? It's kind of basic. Well... 90s. I guess. Yeah, I, 90s, just general aesthetic. Um, unless you're in a specific, like, oh, we're going to do 90s grunt or something. But just like the the general, uh, no bueno. No bueno. I loved her apartment, though. Her apartment, I would live in. Uh, her clothes were terrible, though. Her, her clothes were so bad. Her clothes were an interesting choice. Yeah, they were. They're bad. They were like, a there's, choice. There's sometimes where I look back and I'm like, you know, I get it. I get it, 90s. And then there's things like this where I'm like, how are you making Meg Ryan, one of the most tiny petite people on the planet, look like frumpy? Yeah. Yeah. The fuck you doing? Well, and his clothes didn't look great either. I mean, the suits were ill-fitting, but all 90s suits were (laughs) ill-fitting. That's a big fact. That is true. So that's just a fact. (laughs) But like the final scene, he's wearing, I think, just like khaki pants, a polo shirt that looks like it's been through the wash too many times. (laughs) And just like a random ass jacket. He has full like, dad vibes going on. Yeah. He does have full. Like he showed up and Not I'm like. Not daddy. Dad. Yeah. yeah. He did show up and I'm like. Mm, right. You know that you're doing this though. Like. Yeah. I know. You try. <laughs> when she goes home to get changed and he goes home to get the dog but doesn't get changed. I'm like. Brah. Come on. Right. Put like, a clean shirt on. Sweeten the pot a little. Okay. Also she changed into an entire thing of beige. Like a beigeish gray nothing that made her look like oatmeal. Yeah. Yes. The- and then a beigeish gray cardigan over the be- beigeish gray nothing. Right. Again, I liked the dress. I I don't think it was appropriate for her skin tone, but I liked the dress. But then you put on a cardigan that completely erases any shape the dress gives her, and she is just one straight line of <laughs> frump. And I'm just like the '90s. Why? I also liked the dress. I just th- thought it did nothing for her coloring. And this is from coming from somebody who is incredibly pale and have to watch that. Yeah. They do her dirty in what? What's that one with Hugh Grant and her? Kate and Leopold. Yes, Th- they put her in gray in that one too. And I'm like, do you not know that girl's skin tone? Like you, you need to watch that on. Like I can't yeah, wear yeah. yellow. I look like my liver is failing. But here's the thing: as bad as fashion was, I always wanted Meg Ryan's iconic hair 
And oh, her hair is great. It's yeah. adorable and it's unachievable for someone like me. Like you could cut it that way. Would it ever lay that way without intensive hours worth of work? No. 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 I'm not going to lie. Watching this, I was like, hmm, I could get a Meg Ryan cut. And then I'm like, oh, wait, bitch, you got curly ass motherfucking hair. Do you know how much work that would fucking be every morning? Nah. Also, that's one of those haircuts that looks better on people with very small bone structure. Yeah. Like Call Meg Ryan fat. does not really have much in the like cheekbone territory. You know what I mean? What do you what are you laughing at? What'd you say? I said you calling me fat. Calling me fat. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need fucking stop, okay? I it is what it is. It but is my, no, I was talking about like her her cheekbones are very like in. Like all of her she face. She does have is a very, very thin face. In. And like I'm out here with the cheekbones going to Texas and then going to North Dakota. Like, they're spread. That's what you want. <laughs> you want the cheekbones to be high and big. I don't know. Mine seem to be a lot. <laughs> they're, they're a lot. There's a lot of also cheek meat on top of the cheekbone. It gets to be a little squishy. Anyway, um, like, I, as somebody who does cut their hair incredibly short from time to time, that is not a haircut that would work on uh, somebody who's got a lot of cheekbone. Can we... Can I just point out something about Kathleen while we're talking about her? This has nothing to do with this is her personality, not her dress or her hair or anything. Okay. God, she's got too much energy. Like mm-hmm. the entire time I'm like, this is the template for an extrovert. It's yes. too much. It's exhausting. It's too much. It is. It is. It, 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 the, bringing that energy in that early in the morning? No. Yeah, no, it's ma'am. a lot of energy in the morning. I can't. No, I, I'm not Kathleen. I'm the like disgruntled employee that she's got working for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. ma'am, down 10 notches at least. Yeah, Come she's up. definitely one of those people from what I can gather in this movie that just gets very passionate about passionate about almost everything. If she likes it, she really likes it. And uh, that's too much. It's too much for me. Too much for this cranky, apathetic introvert. She also has really strongly held opinions that aren't necessarily based in anything sometimes. <laughs> it's true. And you're like, I love Pride and Prejudice. Y'all know that. But Yeah, facts. Big facts. <laughs> You've been trying to get us to do Pride and Prejudice, which just wouldn't work on our format. I don't give a shit. Since the beginning. It will happen. Um, You're going to fucking like it. Anyway. You're so. telling yourself that, Wicks. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> that that face was death for me. <laughs> we could do a movie. Challenge accepted. Or no. maybe one of the miniseries. It's not even that long. Anyway. So <laughs> you can listen to the audiobook with Rose and looking at. And it's like twenty hours. That's an average book. Anyway. Not our books. Our books on average are below ten. Or around 10. Whatever. Point being, if I ever get to make it, is that she makes the comment that Elizabeth Bennett is one of the most complex characters ever written in history. And I'm like, I know that I have not read that book as much as Kathleen Turner, who 200 times, 200 times, ma'am, read another book. I will be honest with you. Um, Pride and Prejudice is actually 11 and a half hours. So that's so actually somewhat you're, manageable. You're a big weenie is what I'm hearing. I uh, listen to audios all the time. I'm currently listening to American Queen, which I find to be very disturbing. You know, you just speed it up a little bit and you're done in like eight I don't, hours. I don't like that. Well, I don't like it. Life I, is hard. I do that to the romance books. I don't do that to other ones. I don't know why I don't do it to other ones, but I don't. I don't think um, you could do it with Pride and Prejudice because you I, really need to get the the prose. And that's what I was about to say oh, is sorry, I don't dude. know. You're good. No, I just don't think with how things are worded in older books, I think that would be hard to 
double the speed or even a I mean, 1. it wouldn't 5 be t- speed for it. me because I'm familiar with the story already. So well, I'm familiar with the story, but like, Same, but to get the nuance of the word, it's not like I'm listening to dialogue that's like, oh, I gonna suck your dick right now. Oh, yeah, I like it. You know, it's I, like different. I'm pretty sure I remember that exact line in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Okay, what were you even saying? I don't know, because we... y'all won't let me say it. <laughs> I don't even know what my head was thinking anymore. 200 times reading the book. Uh... Elizabeth Bennet, super complicated. Oh, yeah, she thinks that Elizabeth Bennet is the most complicated character, or one of the, she says something like that, and I, it's not, I'm not saying she's not, doesn't have depth and complexity to her, but she's also a semi-privileged white woman, like, growing up in Georgian England. She's not the most complex character that's out there. I was thinking the same thing when she said that. I was like, maybe I just haven't read Pride and Prejudice in a long time, but I don't remember her being, like, extremely nuanced. I mean, she's smart. Oh, yeah, she's got... A female character to boot in a time where that's right, <laughs> but like she's also ignorant in several times in her own story, thus making the plot possible. Like, well, I think that that would lead to complexity. Yeah, complexity doesn't necessarily mean right, but the most complex. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was confused by that. I don't know. Like, I get the only thing I can say to like sort of forgive her on it is that she was trying to like do justify her book to him well i was more thinking like well if you read children's books for your job and most of the time then yeah pride and prejudice would seem a lot more complex that's true i'm not saying she doesn't read other books but just like when the thing you're exposed to the most well she's seen reading another book in the movie i not couldn't quite pause it to see what she was reading but it looks like another penguins classic kind of thing at what point uh she's like in a cafe when he finds her oh she also could have just been exaggerating a little bit because she was being sassy at that point yeah like she was real pissy and justifiably so and justifiably so he was being a bit of a arsehole but i love that for the longest time there's like no swearing um and he like even leading up to it he's like yeah that kathleen kelly she's a bit of a pill but immediately afterwards he was like she's a bitch But I don't know why, but that tickled me pink. I thought that was Isn't hilarious. that like the only swear word that they say that isn't just like damn or hell or whatever? Something like that, yeah. It's a PG movie. Well, and they were also a lot more sensitive about that in the 90s than they are now. It's true. Okay, this is a really bad segue, but I, I like it's what's in my head and this what I got to get that voice out. Go what you got to do. I believe in you. I feel like Dave Chappelle was a hostage in this movie. <laughs> Dave Chappelle <laughs> is the weirdest... <laughs> like just a choice <laughs> and it's not that he does a, a bad job he does no, he does fine he does the he character does what, yeah yeah um but it just it it's just so interesting he feels like throughout the entire movie that he does not want to be there <laughs> and i don't I, he's another aspect of the movie that i didn't really remember like i remembered he was in it but i didn't remember thinking anything more than that and then i watched it and i was like that man is trying to escape this movie in real time. <laughs> like, there were probably supposed to be like five other scenes that he was in. And he was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I definitely, he walked on screen the first time and I'm like, huh, Dave Chappelle, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah. Why are you here? Are you lost? <laughs> he hadn't found his brand yet. <laughs> Which was fuck everything. Yeah. Anyway, I just needed to voice that because I <laughs> 
I think especially when it finally got to the scene where he's like, look through the window. I was like, that man is trapped. Somebody is bribing him to be (laughs) or blackmailing him, whichever. I was going to say, aren't we all bribed to do our jobs? Pay me the monies. I do the jobs. So I do want to talk about his family. Mm -hmm. His family is fun. His family is fun. They're interesting. They are, as he says, an American family. I also find it interesting that in the 90s, late 90s, but still the 90s, they were like, you know what? Let's give you a blended family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So he takes two kids to the store. That's how he meets her, not online. Um, These two kids are, I think, Annabelle is 10. Something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what's... Four is what... He's supposed to be four? Uh Uh-huh. Matt? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, sure, him. Um, he's like four-ish. Um, so Annabelle is his aunt. Mm-hmm. Correct. Because she is his grandfather's daughter. Mm-hmm. And then the four-year-old is his brother. Because apparently we are just going to keep making children in yep. our very old age. And so I was, I was kind of, I find that kind of interesting. I'm like, I mean, it does happen. That is a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was like, oh, okay. It kind of seemed like their purpose... Their entire purpose in this movie, The Children, um, was to show the audience that Joe can be fun and sweet and lovable because Mm -hmm. he is super good with these kids. Oh, yeah. Like immediately takes them to a carnival. He's having a fun time. He's super cute with them. And then takes them. Strong man thing that, oh my God, that's so fucking cute. I'm like, I hate that this is so fucking adorable. That's probably the hottest that Tom Hanks is in the entire movie. It's true. For being so honest. Yeah. The other thing I think that they serve to do is give them a reason to meet. Sure. Yeah. Because they do have this whole sequence where they're just missing each other over and over and over again. And the whole idea is that, you know, there's millions and millions of people in New York. How do you meet the one? Right. right? Well, and the fact that they're talking online, you don't know who you're talking to. It's true. Which was very... People didn't really understand that in the 90s. Like, people get it today, obviously. Mm -hmm. But in the 90s, people were like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm talking to this person. You thought you really knew that person. Right. And that is not really how it works. (laughs) What I do not understand at this point is what is, where is Annabelle's mother in all of this? And, like, how old is she? Because he says that, he says that Kathleen's mother was too young for him but he has a 10 year old daughter who is this woman i'm just don't know that is that was one of the few things where i was like i am confused this plot is not plotting (laughs) that also irritated me that he kept bringing up that it was kathleen's mother's shop and that you know they had he had almost gone on a or he had gone on a date with her or he'd almost i think they were sending letters to each other yeah and it's like, well, you obviously liked this woman. Why are you being a dick? Because while Joe was not trying to be a dick to the shop around the corner, his father and grandfather was. It's because their whole philosophy is it's not personal, it's business. Yeah, I know. But you know? still, it's like, ugh, come on, you knew her. Leave the little cute shop alone. Yeah. Well, again, they didn't actually do anything to the shop. No, and I know mm-hmm. they didn't. And they're like, oh, we sell discount books or whatever, and sure that would maybe get people to go to a different place but the reality is if her service was that good and the prices were not unreasonable she would still have business yeah a lot of business because the thing with 
even back then with childhood development is the books you choose to read to your kids makes a really big impact on on how they grow and develop and so choosing the right book that will keep them interested is really important mm-hmm. right so knowing that you can go to a store specifically where you can say i need the shoe books which is a whole thing later on in fox books um that's that's really valuable but when you're charging $73 for, for four, four books, books no or man five books maybe with the dinosaur book that he buys i do think though it is interesting to watch it now in 2023 because in the 90s that was kind of a time and it definitely started before that but it was definitely starting to get to the, be the time where big box stores were taking over everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whereas now we're kind of not regressing, but, you know, kind of falling back more on how do you shop local? How do you support local? We're trying mm-hmm. to revert back to yeah. that a little bit so that we can support our local businesses. Yeah. Right. Well, the tricky thing about it, too, is that we've become so dependent on it. Mm-hmm. You know, she does have this good point that is proven to be true now that we're in 2023 is do you want to walk down the street of New York and not recognize that it's New York? And it's true. Like all these neighborhoods that had these cute little mom and pop shops are gone. Yeah. Not just in New York, across the country. Mm-hmm. And now there's a Walmart. Well, unfortunately, not to get into the political economical discussion too much, but unfortunately with inflation, what it is today, the cheaper prices went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's sad but true, but there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. No, no there is not. Like, it, you're fucked no matter what you do. It's it's the whole good place. Del- I was going to say, say that. It's pointed out very well in the good place. And I didn't, not that I didn't think about it, but I, I never, like, thought about all of the consequences of every, you know, all mm-hmm. of the unintended consequences of things. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm fucked either mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But back to a happier note. Um, well, this isn't like the happiest note we could talk about this movie, but it is the one I want to talk about now. Uh, one thing that I found confusing, like we've talked about the looks of like everybody in this movie, except for Frank. And like, why are all these women falling all over themselves for this man? I don't understand him. Uh, he's weird. He, he's eccentric, to put it nicely. Yep. A bit of an asshole, to put it nicely. truthfully. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, he's, and here's the thing, like, he was, this is not his first time being, like, if not the romantic lead, but, like, adjacent, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That actor? Yes. Yeah. And, like, I've never understood it. I never understood it when I was younger. I thought maybe I'd understand it more now that I'm older. And, no, I don't, like, he's, he's all right looking, but, like, he... Would I fall all over myself to be with him if he, especially if he had a personality like that? God, no. And Patricia drools yes. over the fact that he's there and everything. And I was like, he's, is he a big deal? And then that talk show host. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the flirting was not, was not even like veiled in any way. No. Oh, yeah, no. veiled or anything. It Subtlety was, was not her art. Out there. Well, and it turns out that like basically he wants to be with her anyway. Like yeah. That, I, love, I love the way they put. Po- are and she's like is she a republican and he's like so ashamed (laughs) (laughs) also i kind of freaked out because i was like that is megan the doctor from father of the bride too because i'm a weirdo (laughs) (laughs) what goes inside this brain is mess a mess it seems like it's a lot of heart in 90s 
you know, I paid attention more back then. It's true. Well, we had better attention spans back then. We had less to pay attention to back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was obsessed with movies when I was a kid. Obsessed. I remember. I remember. Now I'm like, oh, putting on a movie? That sounds like a lot of work. Putting on an hour-long episode of television and then watching that four more of that same television show? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's absolutely what I do. Also, I I get so mad because like Hulu and Netflix and all of that call me out because they're like, are you still watching? And I'm like, fuck you. I don't need your judgment. Play my next episode of Grey's Anatomy, you bitch. <laughs> well, for every episode and such they play, they have to pay money. So they don't want to pay more money. That's why they ask. What? I'm pretty sure. I didn't know that's how it worked. I could be pulling that completely out of my ass. And it could be actually a nice gesture to you to make sure you haven't like fallen asleep or like walked away and forgot it was still going. But in my brain, I think it's more nef- not nefarious, but selfish on their part to ask that question. So we asked this question every once in a while and I think it's important to ask in this one because this movie ends with them just finally getting together for real do you think this relationship lasts I give it a year really yeah Yeah. like I'd love to be like I think that they'd be happily ever after and I can conceive of a way that that happens like she goes and writes her children's books and he kind of slowly finds his way to divesting away from Fox books and the two of them find a way to be happy together and choose each other over their respective careers and yeah you know accept the fact that they've got this beautiful kindred spirit great i can i can believe and buy that ending for the sake of me enjoying the movie but the reality is that's not what happens in real life no in real life um she still resents him and can't let go of it i was gonna say i i don't foresee her actually becoming any less bitter about the fact that she literally lost the shop that she grew up in mm-hmm. and even if wiggles is right and she eventually would have lost it in a couple of years anyway he and his company are the the catalyst to her actually having to close it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how do you ever forgive somebody for that even if as we've pointed out in reality they didn't do actually do anything to her they were just there it's still you'd be you'd have a lot of resent towards them yeah not even just she lost the shop which is sad in and of itself, but you can tell that with her employees, she had sort of this like found family mm-hmm. situation, and yeah. now you don't get to see them every day. That that part of your story's done. And it was your mother's shop, so yeah. it's a connection to your mom. Well, and it seems to me like Birdie has been with the shop all along with her mother as yeah. well. Yeah. And so also she's losing access to being around her secondary mother figure all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she says that, you know, I have closed my shop. It was my mother's shop. I feel like I've lost my mother all over again. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how you would feel. How would you forgive him for that? Yeah. Well, and it's a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. The thing is, we see them go through the various months. It starts in fall and ends in spring. Yep. Yep. It's a year, not even a full year. And so she's only lost the shop. For a few months, and they're going to get together immediately following that? Yeah, no. Well, and, you know, we've seen this um, type of a relationship where it starts in pen pal, and there's like a, a mistaken identity of like, I hate you in real life, but I love you without knowing who you are via text or email or whatever but he also lies to her a lot towards the end of their Mm -hmm. like 
email correspondence, which I don't blame him for doing in a way because he's trying to get her to like him before finally revealing that he is NY152 or whatever it is. But that could also lay the groundwork for her not being able to really trust him in some ways. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I understand the thought process of I want you to like me for me in real life yeah. because I we've been steadily building this relationship. And I'm not going to lie. They're like little gab sessions and, you know, farmer's market trips or whatever is fucking cute. Mm-hmm. It is. They're basically dating without her knowing that they're dating. Yeah, right. which is what he's doing. He's just yeah. like, I'm going to trick you into it, you know. But I do see where she could very easily be like, you've been doing this this entire time. How can I trust you? Why wouldn't you just tell me if you've known for this long and you just never told me? I think it's an interesting divestment that uh, Nora Ephron makes in this compared to the the older ones. Because in the older ones, it's um, she gets uh, in in the Judy Garland version, um, the the good old summertime. She gets a job in this music shop, and the guy like tries to prevent her from getting a job, and that's where their tension starts. Um, and like in the Jimmy Stewart one, it's it's even it's it's very similar. And so it it's interesting because she. And this one forces Kathleen to lose everything mm-hmm. versus the the only thing that the Judy Garland version, that's the one that's sticking out in my head the most right now. She really, all she would have lost out on is an opportunity for a job and she could have gotten another job somewhere else. Well, is that still shitty? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not the same. He pulled the rug out on her world. Yeah. 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 Though I do like the way Birdie spins it is, you know, when she says you could see this as a failure, but what you're doing is really brave because you are imagining an entirely different future that you never have imagined for yourself. Yes. Closing the shop is the brave thing to do. Yeah. Well, she had enough in savings that she probably could have limped along for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and tried to see it through. Uh, and I think that it's very subtle, but you can see moments of Birdie sort of being like right you need yeah. to cut the cord here kid well and understanding when it's time is mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. yeah also randomly birdie's fucking loaded yeah yeah <laughs> it's like birdie <laughs> bitch you're gonna help the girl out no no, no. well she she was soulmates with a fascist dictator so you sure know. yeah <laughs> she's not perfect <laughs> or is she no just kidding she's <laughs> uh, fucking loaded that, that's for sure well she dresses too nice to work in a shop. Yeah, there was that definitely times sense. where I'm like, what What are you wearing? What is happening there? Yeah, you could definitely tell from the beginning that she did not need to be there. She was mm-hmm. just there because she knew uh, Kathleen's mother. I also like that in, in a time where they were definitely like, oh, people can't keep up with the internet. They're not going to be able to handle it, which in some cases is true. Um, that Birdie is handling com- the computer way better than anybody else. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. She's just running laps around them. She's like, so according to this, <laughs> and I'm working on a Macintosh because it was a Macintosh yes. first. <laughs> we have made this much money less than last year. And I'm like, Birdie, have you been keeping records digitally? <laughs> God damn. Good for uh, you. She also mentions that she tried cyber sex once, but yes. couldn't get through. She's like, it was <laughs> getting a busy line. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the idea that 
cybersex is like this novel concept in this movie. I know, I know right? <laughs> it's like, oh, fancy. I'm just envisioning like, what are you doing at that point in time? For, what what does cybersex look like in this uh, day and age it's of texting? I think sexting. Mm. I should yeah. Say. It's very sexy. Which isn't for me, gotta say. Yeah, same. It seems like it would take too long. Like, I'd, 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 co- I'd cool off yeah. before we got to the end. I, I'm also not that great at responding immediately. So, like, that's a lot of effort for me. It is. Yeah. It also gets kind of cringy real quick. I'm like, I just, no. Some people aren't aren't good with the written word. No. Uh, you know? Anywho. Um, <laughs> I guess... You know, we have talked a little bit about them writing back and forth to each other, but I want to talk a little bit about the content. Like, yes, the prose was really nice, but uh, it's interesting, especially before they know who each other are, um, the things that they do feel aren't personal and the things that they do feel are personal because the, the, their whole thing is no, nothing personal, nothing personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And but they go into some fairly deep subjects first for not personal. Yeah, the way it's like romanticized and cute and like I could get behind online dating if this is what it was. Same. <laughs> you know, like if I could like be like, so here's the problem I'm having today. Here's a funny quip. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love that. Let's assign me up. And instead, it's it's horrible. It really is. I hate online. I stopped trying long ago because I'm like, this is exhausting. I can't do it. There is the argument that because it's not like instant messenger, they do talk on instant messenger every now and then, but it's Mm -hmm. not very often. Mm -hmm. It's only like once or twice in the entire movie. You could make the argument that because they are doing it via email, they have the time to sit down and really think out what they're going to say and perfect it before they send it. Right. And that's that's nice. (laughs) But don't you guys have that with online dating? It's not like you're always send a message. And like you're texting back and forth right away. Like sometimes it's like, I will send you a thing and you'll get back to me. It's the fact that you think men will put energy behind that. Yeah. It's usually, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, well, I'm I'm, I'm making a meal. I'm making pasta or whatever. Okay. They give me nothing. Great. Great. Um, uh, so so it says on your profile that you, uh, you like to go skiing. Where do you go? Aspen. Hey, great. Good talk. And that's like, that's the kind of like stilted energy of it. It's not an equal exchange ever. Aren't you glad you married? I'm just so glad you found your person. I'm so glad you did too. So happy for you. So happy. I mean, I'm legitimately happy. (laughs) I am happy. But. I wouldn't have you without you. That's a true statement. I would love to not have to. And uh, maybe just committing to being single is the solution. (laughs) My person right now Join is working me. with his satanic temple group to set up their Yule ritual. Oh, Ooh, good. Fun. Yeah. So just got to find uh, another person who's crazy, but you know. The, good the right crazy. kind of crazy? Not, not, not the same because you, you want to you keep it interesting. Keep it spicy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but close mm-hmm, enough mm-hmm. that you're like, same level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes. I don't know that anyone's on this level. <laughs> Same. One thing I did really enjoy that I I think I was way too young the first time I watched this to like get at all. Yeah. Was the sequence where they meet each other at the part the cocktail party, you know? And she's like talking with him and she's like, "Oh my god, you're Joe Fox, like you're running me out of business." And like the boyfriend comes over, Frank just comes over and sees her wielding a knife and he's like, "So I'm just going to subtly <laughs> put that away." 
I was so confused by this cocktail party because they had a bartender Mm-hmm. And then they just had a spread of food that was a full turkey that has yet to be carved and just like a random assortment of sides. <laughs> and I was like, so you have a bartender, but you don't have somebody to serve the food or at least cut the turkey? This is a very confusing situation. I was really to me. confused. When she picked up that knife, I'm like, I, Meg, please put that down. I don't think we play with knives. You're angry. And then she like pointed it at him. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I did yeah. really like when he walked over and he's like, and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, that's the right move right now, sir. Which move. does speak to, they they should be perfect to for each other and they just really aren't. But I also love in that scene, that is one of the scenes where I was like, Tom Hanks is giving great face. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> the entire time his girlfriend and Frank are mating, like his face the whole time I could watch it over and over again. He's like, like no chill at all. As she turns around, he is done for. And he's like, nah, shit. <laughs> this is fucking weird. I did, by the way, when you were just speaking there, when you said when they were meeting, but it oh, is- Oh, you heard mating, right? I absolutely heard yeah. mating, not Same. meeting for a second. And I was like, This is why what? we need a palate cleanser, Danny. I was like, um- what movie did you watch? Because now my whole that brain wanted not an, the movie that I watched. My whole brain went on an entire like fucking <laughs> three second, but actually was an entire plot line of like, oh, that was their fated mate meeting. It makes sense. I get it. This is where it's going. Blah blah blah. I totally was just like, what? What happened that I missed? No, this is an innocent PG movie. Like, I realize I'm not always the most attentive, but like, I would have noticed that. <laughs> Here's the problem is you, you, you gave us an innocent PG movie, but we are not innocent PG people. No. This is, this I know. <laughs> Even when I try to give you like semi-innocent books and stuff, I fail. You always find it. You I always, do always find You it. always know where the clit is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I do know where that button is. Thank you. <laughs> I also know where we're home as I am just face palming with the two of these. I I also know where where Wiggles' last nerve is. I like to poke it. You find it. You find it. I do find it. Uh, All right, let's get back on track then. Before before Wiggles just kind of like just throws us out of her house. Done with us. (laughs) And that's the end of this episode. Good night. Uh, No closing. No recommendations. No no, ratings. We're done. None for you. None for Gretchen (laughs) Wieners. Bye. You just had to bring it back around. <laughs> Every time. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is very quick scene. So it's really easy for you to just blow past it and be like, whatever. But when they don't know why he didn't show up for the day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the explanation that they come to is that the rooftop killer has been caught and that it must be that he was the rooftop killer. Yep. And I- <laughs> Which is that funny little jab at like, you don't know who you're meeting online. It could be a serial killer. Right. Mm -hmm. And very on brand. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just coming from a true crime junkie. But I'm like, oh, yeah. What if he was the killer? Uh, (laughs) Just it hit hit, hit well (laughs) for me. There are definitely things you do when you're a true crime person that are different as you realize they're different. And not everybody does that like. My friend, when she first started dating her boyfriend, it was the first time she was going out to his house and everything. And he lives in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And I was just like, hun, um, can you just drop a pin in your location when you get there? 
And yeah. she's like, why? And I'm like, I understand that you know him because she does. And she worked with him and everything. I'm like, but my little true crime heart can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And I need to know where to send the police if I don't hear things. So please drop a pin in your location when you arrive. And she's like, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's another fun aspect of dating. Fuck. Yep. Well, it's a it's just the aspect of being a woman. Yes. If I'm if I'm walking from my house downtown, which is a 10 to 15 minute walk. Mm-hmm. I will always be like, and I'm leaving, Pappy. I will see you in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Yep. Yeah. The other thing that this movie like conjured in my brain was this is the first time in a long time that I have watched, read, or in any way consumed like some kind of media where they're talking about this like rich guy going after this very normal girl and she's just like you know what bitch that she's got a line in there she's like oh poor sad little multi-millionaire and i'm like yes the re- the like way his millions does not make him more attractive in this movie yes i do appreciate that they actually really don't even talk about that much that he is extremely wealthy mm-hmm. like it's it's seen in certain trappings in his life he has a boat but it's not an overly large boat not like mm-hmm. his father's you know it's it's a nice boat but it's not huge and he his apartment was nice but it wasn't crazy or anything i'm sure that the two of them bought that together or whatever but yeah he he definitely didn't dress like he was super rich no no well there's even a point I think towards the end when Kathleen goes, I could never date somebody who had a boat. And he's like, I have a boat. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, he's living on the boat. Well, and then he takes a dig at Joni Mitchell. And I'm like, bro, it's not the same. Nah. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't understand what clouds illusions means. And I was like, well, you need to study more art. <laughs> Sucks to suck, man. <laughs> You're not yeah. on the same plane. Deal. But also, it's not even just that it's not a factor in why she ends up liking him. It's also a reason for her not to like him. Correct. And he he doesn't really use it that much. Like, yeah, he's like, I'll buy these kids whatever the hell they want because I can. That can be said of anybody because there's definitely been times where I'm like, I will buy these children everything they want. And I, I don't have the money to do that. And it's not like he actually bought them a lot. He took them to a carnival and, yeah, paid for the games and stuff mm-hmm. and then bought them some books. He wasn't out here buying them anything crazy. No, but I'm sure if they asked, he would have. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. But they also have both have extremely wealthy parents as well. So maybe it's just not. And maybe that's why he does go to this like very cheap little carnival thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that's not something that their money is going to deliver for them. And so it's an that those kids probably don't get to have very often. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it was nice and refreshing that it was, especially after <laughs> reading so many billionaire romance, that it's like, okay, uh, that does not make him more attractive. <laughs> Did you go down a billionaire romance spiral? I mean, dreamland. That's nah, dead. It seems to be a pretty common thing. And in, in a lot of books I read, it's like, why? You're just giving them money just so that you as the author can solve problems later. <laughs> Yes, that's the, the, you've answered your own question. Yeah. 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 I've read quite a few of them too. Listen, I mean, I would love I mean, no for, hate. for me to be able to just flirt with a guy and be able to solve the world's problems, yeah. right? That would be fantastic. I would give up him being attractive in any way in order to just like, you know, cure Have cancer. Several billion dollars that yeah. you're like, I do what like, I want with. You get money, you get money, you get money. And he's be like, that's my money. I'd be like, not anymore, bitch. <laughs> I mean, I'm not hating on billionaire romance. I have read quite a few of them and there's a reason for that. So I suppose we should wrap this up. Yeah, let's get it 
into the ending, which means we're going to start with our ratings. Ooh. Spice, I guess. Zero. Yeah, Zero. There's it, no it doesn't spice. exist. It's it not even that great a kiss. End, and, uh, sorry to critique you, Tom Hanks, but you could do better. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have done better, bud. Yeah. Yeah. For, for someone who loves this movie, the fuck? What about your romance rating? 2.5. My God, Danny. I, it's fine. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of lying involved that I'm just like that's fair. I feel like that's gonna come around and bite you in the ass. I love a good enemies to lovers. So for me, it was like a I don't know if I can quite go up to a four, but I give it a three point five. I was also I wanted to give it a four, but it is the like questionable nature yeah. of things that I'm like a three point five. Yeah, but you're overall. I think this is a really fun movie. I was surprised because I haven't watched it in a long time. I knew I liked it, but. I did not remember quite a bit of it, as it turns out. And I actually had a lot of fun. I, like, made myself a little, like, gnocchi dinner, my little pasta, <laughs> had myself a little self-date. And it was really nice. So I'd give it a four. I, I'm in between a 3.5 and a four. And I think I'll go a four. And my reasoning is... Like, do I think I would watch it again on my own? No. Do I think that me and my husband could sit down and watch it and it would be cute? Yes. And that's probably more because it's a nostalgia thing for him. But at some point in time, when you've been with somebody for so long, you just start merging into a single person. And that's slowly but surely what is happening. You're the lappy? The what? Liz and Pappy. Lappy. I think we can do better with your combined couple name. Lippy. They are lippy. Lippy. I don't think any of this works. Pliz. <laughs> what? Pliz. No. Pliz? Pliz. Sounds like one step away from Plinko. <laughs> Lars. <laughs> How does that work? Liz and Aaron. Oh, I don't think you would approve of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway, Danny, what is your recommend or uh, overall rating? Oh boy, we got there. Um, I think that I will give it a three. It was cute. It was, I'm, you know, I'm not overly big on the like sappy sappy. You don't have to like it. No, I did. It, it's the thing is, is I didn't dislike it. It's cute. The lie nature of it makes me go, hmm. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I was there, I wasn't super objectionable about, about it or anything. One thing we didn't talk about that. We are I, already in recommendations. I don't give a shit. You can't go back. No, we're talking about it. We're talking we're, about we... it because it's going to be brief. It's going to be brief. Shut your hole. One thing we didn't talk about is how peaceful these books are, or books are, these movies are of Nora Ephron's. Like, she just does something. I, even if I didn't really like some aspects of the plot, I found it so relaxing to watch. I was shocked at that part of it. Yeah, there isn't like any sort of big uproarious moment. Like, this is the kind of movie that, like, I could self-regulate with. (laughs) But also, like, all of her movies have this sort of smooth feel to them that, like, obviously it smooths over all the rough edges, but sometimes that's nice. Like, a little escapism. I don't mind it. Yeah, sure. Sure. I don't know. That brings us to recommendations. What you got? Cinderella story. Like the Hilary Duff? Yes. Because they have the aspect of not really knowing who each other were, that with the IMing and everything. And they're not like true enemies to lovers, but they're definitely like different world situation. So that's kind of where I'm going with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Liz? I have a few. I thought you might. Shocker. So <laughs> I think the easy one is the fine print. But we've been recommending the Dreamland Billionaires literally for the last three fucking podcast episodes. <laughs> Look, we liked it, okay? We did. We did. We did. And I, I think I really just want to read 
reread Terms and Conditions because, oh, oh mm. the anyway. vapors. Um, the second one would be Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the third one is one that I'm not sure if it's a good recommendation, but it's just like as I watched this movie, I was reminded of another movie, which is 10 Inch Hero. Have you I'm guys literally never heard of this? No. Okay. It is one of Jensen Ackles' first movies. Um, and it's the one where he met his wife. So oh. I think a lot of people might, after Supernatural, may have seen it. Um, it came out in 07. It's about a sandwich shop. So 10 Inch Hero is a joke title, but it's it's about a sandwich shop. And there is an entire plot line about one of the uh, characters is IMing back and forth with a guy. And she's like, am I going to meet him? Am I not? I don't know. And everybody's like, you don't know. He could be a serial killer. So huh. I was just getting vibes from that movie. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So I've, I'm going to limit myself to two recommendations. I didn't. Um, well, my list could go on for a very, very long time. <laughs> Fair enough. So book, I want to recommend Waiting for Tom Hanks. Honestly, it's what inspired me to suggest this movie because they do reference it quite a bit. They reference many of Tom Hanks' other movies, of course. Sure. But also it's just like rom-com central. Like this, this gal's obsessed. The part of it that really like shook me to to be inspired is the the line don't cry shop girl at the end when dabbing her tears and that that was referenced and I was like oh feel the way I felt like the last time I watched that and this book kind of gives you the like the itch if you will the other recommendations that I have I could honestly go down the list for ever of 90s rom-coms but the one I'm going to stick with and it's tried and true and it makes all the sense in the world is when Harry met Sally it's a classic for a reason and it's got kind of an enemy to lovers more like a not quite rivals to lovers just two people who go from really just not being on each other's team to being friends to being like oh hot damn this is my jam you know it's another Meg Ryan it's cute it's Uh, got its moments where like with this one where they kind of talk about deeper things and then immediately shift to something cute and funny so that's my recommendation okay well that's that then if you like this episode you can find us out on the socials at wrong dust jackets on the the facebook and the instagram and the ticky tacks and the pinterests please like let us know what you thought uh, give us some recommendations and such you can also find us out on our website at wrongdustjackets.com and then please just Give us a like on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Drop a comment if if and you would. That's what we got. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.